0: Last week, we began exploring the book of Philippians and looking at the difference between happiness and joy. All of us long to be happy. We enjoy good circumstances, but it doesn't take living very long to come to the realization that happiness does not last. Heartache, tragedy, disappointment. Failure, discouragement are all components of our life that are a harsh reality. And if we live only for happiness, we find that it often doesn't show up. And the reason is, is because when we live for happiness, the focus is on ourselves. We're looking at what we want, what we desire, rather than discover that What we truly long for is the presence of God and the joy that His presence brings in any circumstance. As we began last week looking at this uh, book of Philippians, we discover that Paul is writing this from prison. It's later in life. It has been his dream to go to Rome, and he made it to Rome, although his dream didn't include going to Rome in chains and in many ways being forgotten about except for a handful of faithful believers who stood by his side but Paul's focus was not on his chains was not on the hardship that he was facing it was not on the upcoming trial that eventually would lead to a sentence of death his focus was on God on Jesus Christ specifically and on others. And what we see here in these opening verses of Philippians, we see the great joy of Paul's heart is this church at Philippi. Now, we don't know a lot about this church, but it was the first church in Europe. It's the first church on the European continent that received the gospel. We know a few of the people that were connected to Philippi that we read about in Acts chapter 24. There is Lydia who was a businesswoman, a seller of purple. And so we discover that she and some other women were an early um, congregation of God seekers that met near the river. There wasn't enough for a synagogue to be there. There was only a handful of people who were seeking after God, and Paul met them and met specifically Lydia and her household and began to share with her the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, the next person that we meet that's part of the church at Philippi is a a young lady who is possessed by a demon, and She is able to prophesy because of the demonic spirit that is within her and she makes a great deal of money for her owners. She is a slave. But Paul prays for her and drives out the demon and she is set free from the bondage of that demonic spirit but her employers are not very happy because they've lost their source of income. And so they take Paul and throw him in prison. And there in prison, he's worshiping the Lord. He's exalting him. And God sends forth a a deliverance where there's an earthquake and the chains fall off and the doors come off their hinges and the jailer comes to the prison and sees that the doors are open and he's ready to kill himself because he's failed. And Paul cries out, don't. We're all still here. You have nothing to fear. And that jailer comes and asks this incredibly important question, what must I do to be saved? And he and his household come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We don't know who else joined the church. There was a a revival that broke out, but There's not much that's necessarily remarkable. It wasn't the successful or the bright or the influential that were part of this church. They came from many different backgrounds, but they were incredibly faithful. And they had a place in Paul's heart that drew him whenever he thought about them. And it caused him to be filled with joy. One of the key verses in Philippians is Philippians 4, verse 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. It is a command. To rejoice means that I choose joy no matter what my circumstances are. And as we read through this book, and we'll, we'll be exploring some of these today and more in, a, in, a, in the weeks to come, I believe that choosing joy is a result of becoming intentional about at least these six things in our life. Number one, praise. Developing a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving to God. The greatest way to move out of a slump, out of depression, out of discouragement, is to begin to thank God for the good things He has done for you. To recognize the blessings He has already given you. And thank Him for them. And not just thank God, but thank others. Because it begins to turn the focus off of our circumstances and off of ourselves and remember where our hope lies, which is in God Himself. So if you're discouraged today, that's the place to begin. Look, be intentional to thank God and to praise Him. It also comes from a purpose. And and maybe as I've thought about this some more, I don't know that purpose is the best word. Really, it's a passion A passion for God Himself to live is Christ. When that becomes the passion of our hearts and our lives, you will overflow with joy no matter what happens. Thirdly, it comes from a partnership, and this is what we're going to explore together. Serving one another in the work of the gospel. Number four, from promoting other people, considering others as more significant than ourselves. Then it comes from prayer, and that's what we see here That Paul is doing. He is praying when he remembers the church at Philippi. He's praying for them to be filled with grace and peace and to experience the joy that just thinking about them brings to his own heart and life. And ultimately, he calls us to follow the example of Jesus Christ in reconciliation and being a peacemaker. Well, what I want to do today is we're going to look at some of these concepts, and and what I'm going to do is, you know I like props, and so I'm going to pass out, and I would like you to take one Lego each, okay? And when it gets to the back, Jim, if you don't mind, would you take a, a basket or two up to the balcony? You can take a big Lego, you can take a small Lego, but only one Lego, okay? Don't cheat. One Lego. Only one Lego. And we'll explain what that's all about here in just a moment. Joy comes from choosing to rejoice. It comes from praise. And ultimately, when you look at your life, you're going to discover that joy is something we have to fight for. It does not just happen like happiness does. It is a choice that we must be so intentional about. John Piper, in his great book, When I Don't Desire God, puts it this way. The fight for joy in Christ is not a fight to soften the cushion of our comforts. It is a fight for strength to live a life of self-sacrificing love. It is a fight to join Jesus on the road to Calvary and stay there with Him no matter what. Jesus is our example because He tells us in in Hebrews that for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. Even the suffering and pain of the cross was something that Jesus was able to see past and look for the joy, and the joy that He saw was you and me. That's why He was willing to give His life as a ransom for you and I. And that's why Our joy, likewise, comes in not living for ourselves, but learning to live for Christ. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. Ultimately, to live for Christ means that life is not about me. It's about Jesus Himself. And when he becomes the passion of our heart, you will overflow with joy because his presence is with you and you'll walk through things and discover you're not alone. It is a deep, refreshing wellspring of life-giving water that fills every cell of our being and every breath of our life. And we see this truth all through the scriptures, especially here in the New Testament life-giving joy comes from Jesus Christ. Well, let's begin to look at this passage of, in 1st, um, thank you, it's not 1st Philippians. You see, now I'm starting to listen to Trevor. In Philippians chapter 1, and let's begin here at these verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, all the holy ones in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Now now notice, this is a message for every single believer. But he also calls out specifically the elders or overseers, the pastors and the deacons. Those who have a, a functional role within the church that they have a part to play in helping the congregation live out this joy that is the theme of this letter. But it's written to each and every believer. And so therefore, this is written directly to you no matter how qualified you feel you are, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, he's writing to you. And he says, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to experience. Paul then blesses them with what we need most. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now, if you're one who marks marks your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that verse and look at your own heart and life. When you look at other believers, do you thank God for them? Is that your initial response? It should be. But oftentimes because we're insecure because we don't understand our position in Christ, we have a tendency to be critical. To compare ourselves to one another or to focus in on how someone is performing rather than just starting with a grateful heart, thanking God that we get to know this person. One of the beauties of being an international church is is when we're all together and not spread all over the the globe like we are right now, we have people oftentimes from as many as 40 different countries here worshiping together and we get to know them. We get to share life together and discover what God is doing in them and through them and it's incredible. We get a taste of what worship is like on different continents, in different um, nations and tribes and languages and cultures and it's incredibly beautiful. Paul says that always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And that is the key. When we begin to see one another truly as partners together in the same effort, in the same labor, we will be joyful about one another. Now here's how I want to illustrate this. I gave you all a lovely Lego. How many of you, you there are a few of you who are old like me and, and we're really not from the Lego land days, you know, Um, My kids were, but we had Tinker Toys. They were the most boring thing ever compared to Legos. Legos are awesome. You know, now you have hundreds and hundreds of different designs and sets and all kinds of themes uh, of what you can do. But how many of you are excited about your Lego? Sweet. Why? (laughs) What can you do with your Lego? Lego you can do what? Oh, you can do that. But what if it's just your Lego? How much fun will you have with your Lego? I mean, would you like write a song to it? Oh, my little Lego, how delightful you are. I carry you with me wherever I go. That didn't rhyme, but I'm trying to make it up as I go. Understand that a Lego by itself really is not very impressive. It's designed to be connected together to build into something else. And that's true in the church of Jesus Christ as well. We were made to be connected together in order for God to put your life and my life together in order to build His church and to accomplish His work and His purpose. Today we have many visitors, and you come from from all different kinds of of lands and different churches, here's what I want to urge you to do. Wherever you come from, when you go back home, begin to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want to connect me more deeply to your church and your purpose? How do you want to use my life in partnership in the gospel in order to see people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, because that's what you and I are designed for. We're never meant to be on our own. In the same way, if I, was to, if I had a table here, if I was to take the Legos and I was just to, to line them up side by side, even if I had a bunch of them, but I never really put them together, they wouldn't be very impressive. But oftentimes that's what happens in church is we're spectators and we sit in the seats and we don't connect into the life of Christ and into the life of the church and connect with one another, and we're just kind of like an individual Lego going through the motions when we're called to be put together and connected. Because you see, God has given you unique abilities, unique spiritual gifts, unique relationships that are designed to accomplish His purpose and His work. So when Paul looks at the church at Philippi, even though they are hundreds and hundreds of miles away, he is in prison, he is filled with joy because he remembers they were partners together in the exact same mission from day one. That's why he's joyful. He knows that God is doing a work in them. He's creating this partnership in them that is accomplishing great things. And they haven't forgotten about him. They send um, messengers back to Rome to visit Paul and to share what is going on in their church. And he can rejoice because God is being exalted. People are coming to know Jesus Christ. The gospel is being moved forward. That's his joy. We were made to be partners together. We will never find joy as a consumer Christian. It is impossible because joy comes from Jesus being our life, not Him granting our wishes. And joy comes from us connecting together, building one another up, loving one another as Christ loves us, and living out in partnership together. True life-changing and lasting joy comes only through partnership with God and with others who are invested in His kingdom. Ultimately, what this is, is um, it's the information, it is the power, it is the ability to experience joy, and it's much like our spiritual DNA. It's different than our physical makeup because it is something that comes from Jesus Christ Himself. And, and when, we, when we think about DNA, we, we remember there's a double helix, there's two sides of a spiraling ladder that make up DNA. The same is true with spiritual DNA. One side of that is our purpose to live as Christ, to make Him the passion and heart of our life, to seek to pursue Him and honor Him and get to know Him and enjoy Him for Him to become our deepest desire. But the other side of that double helix is a partnership with one another in the same mission, in the same purpose. And that's why I want to encourage you, wherever you are, would you put down roots, find a church where you can get connected, and you can use what God has placed in you to partner with others in the gospel. That's where you'll find joy. You see, sometimes we think that joy is kind of like, there, there was, when, uh, when I was younger, there was a, a television show in America called Cheers, and it was about this this bar, and it was the little song to cheers was to go to a place where everyone knows your name. And that was the idea of thinking, well, that's what's really good is people, I can go there, they're familiar with me, they know about my story, you know, and we can relax together. And that's a good thing, but that's not joy. Joy it doesn't come just because people know your name, joy comes because people believe in you, believe that God is doing a work in you and through you. And they want to be a part to stand with you and see you become all that God has created you to be. That's where joy comes from. When you pursue your purpose to live as Christ and then enter into partnership in advancing the gospel, those two sides of that DNA come together in the completion process of Christ's work. And we become more like Him, And his life flows through us, producing real and lasting joy. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ did. He came to do the will of the Father. In essence, he would say, to live is the Father, and to die is gain. And the gain was us. And then he invited his followers to abide in him. That's what it tells us in John chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. He's saying, make me your love, your passion, as I made the Father my love and my passion. And then as you rest in me and... To carry out my commands, you'll enter into a partnership that will produce incredible joy and bear, bear great fruit. Joy comes from giving ourselves to Christ and from giving our service in partnership in the mission of changing the world to the good news that Jesus Christ offers life. That's what it's about. And our world desperately needs joy right now. When we hear about all of the the tragedies happening in Europe and the brokenness that's happening and the division in our home countries, the need for hope and the need for joy is increasing. And they need to see the church of Jesus Christ be united in loving one another, in serving the Lord, in showing grace to others and helping them discover that God has an incredible plan for their life, that he loves them so much that he gave himself for them. That's the good news that is desperately needed in our world. And it happens when we live not for ourselves, but for Christ and come together in partnership with one another. When Jesus truly becomes our greatest desire, rather than seeking the next good circumstance to come, hoping it will bring happiness, we find joy. And when He becomes our life, we can live unoffended because our significance is not based upon our performance. It is based upon who Jesus Christ is and what He has done for us. We can live unafraid because we are secure in Christ Jesus. One of the most important truths is simply this. The safest place for you or I to be at any point in time is in the center of God's will. It may not protect us physically from harm. There may be times in your life, like there have been in my life, where there is physical danger. But the security comes not because things aren't happening but because Jesus Christ is with me no matter what we face. That's joy. That's the kind of joy that allows us to face a difficult diagnosis, to face uncertainty, to face grief, because we don't have to endure it alone. We endure it with Jesus Christ and with one another connected in fellowship and in partnership in the gospel. And we can live content at all times because we are satisfied in Christ. This is what Paul says in chapter 4. I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Do you realize how radical that is? I mean, think about it. Most people, if you were to, to chart out their life, It would go up and down based upon how things are happening, how many likes they get on Facebook, how many people are reading their status update, how many people seem interested in following them. But it's an empty, shallow promise, and God offers us something far deeper and more lasting, true joy. So we're made for partnership. And what I urge you to do is to enter in, find a place to join in and to serve, to use your gifts, use your abilities. And it doesn't have to be anything earth shattering, although we desperately need a bass player. So if anybody can, anybody plays bass, let us know because I'm ready to fire the guy who played today, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So everybody else is awesome, but that bass guy, (laughs) sketchy. Anyway. Use your gifts. Use your abilities. You really want an adventure? In just a few weeks, when everybody comes back in September, Sunday school starts again. <laughs> Nothing greater than working with little kids. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And you will learn more than you could ever imagine because they have incredible questions. And yes, they can try your patience and, and you can, you just, it's an adventure all the way around. You want to be a part of it. Find a place to plug in and you'll find greater joy. Well, here's the next part, and this is what we're going to wrap up with today, is that joy not only comes from partnership, but joy also comes from participation of our completion in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 1.6, he gives us this instruction, which is so very important for us to remember. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Here's what, what Paul is saying. He's saying, first of all, I believe in you. And church family, those of you who are, who are part of, uh, of our congregation here at ICP, we believe in you. As, as pastor, as elders, as deacons, we believe in you. That God has a great plan for you. That he's put you here on purpose and not only that, he's going to complete you. Isn't that great news? You see, oftentimes we get focused in on, on learning the teachings of Jesus, which is incredibly important. But Jesus didn't come just to teach, to give us truths. He came to make us like himself, to make it so that we are, it is possible for us to live out what he taught. He wants to complete you. And so, in a similar way to the the Legos in being in partnership in the gospel, we need to look at our own life and and examine, God, what are you doing in building me, making me more like you? Are there areas of my life that I've pulled apart from you? And I'm saying, Lord, I'm not willing to be obedient in this area. I'm not willing to give you control over this area, what God wants to do is He invites you to come to Himself because He wants to build you up to become the person, the masterpiece He's created, the masterpiece He saved you to be. But it requires us placing all of our life in His hands. But here's the thing, it is not our work, it is His work. All we have to do is say, God, I put myself back in your hands. I want to live for you. Would you change me? And this is true about every area of life that we struggle in. If there's an area, for instance, of habitual sin in your heart and in your life that you're struggling with, it is not up to you to overcome it. It is up to Jesus Christ to overcome it in and through you. But that happens by us abiding in him and giving our life to him and even giving that and saying, Lord, I can't do it. You know I fail time after time after time. Whatever the struggle is, whether it's gossip or lust or, or pride or any of those things that can, can trip us up, we need to give that to Jesus and say, Lord, would you transform me? Because I believe not only you saved me, you came to complete me. This means that he is going to work in you and through you to make you into the person, the follower of him he desires you to be. Guess what that does? That takes the weight and the burden of performance off of you and me. Because all I have to do is say, God, I can't do it, but you can and give everything into his hands. And that's where joy is. I'm not weighted down by by a performance-driven life. So oftentimes, when we think about church, we think about trying harder, doing more. But that's not the message of the gospel. The message is one of grace, that God wants to freely give us more and more of His life, that He wants to live through us. But we have to be willing to say, Lord, I trust it into Your hands. Let me tell you, there is a joy that comes from surrender and from obedience that is amazing. It leads to contentment. It leads to an expectation that God is going to do something I don't even expect. He's going to do something more than what I can imagine or dream of. He desires to complete us. And that should cause us to believe in one another as well. Here's one of the great secrets. When I look into the mirror and I see who I am, the stain of failure of sin that marks my identity, and then I see that Jesus Christ loved me enough to go to the cross to die for me, to buy me back from my selfishness and sin, and see that he is beginning to transform me, I recognize that if he can do that with a rebellious man like I am, he can do that in each and every person here. I believe God is going to do great things in you and through you. I believe he's going to do great things in this church and in the churches that are represented here in this room if we simply will place our trust completely in him and say, Lord, complete me. Make me into the man, to the woman, to the follower of you that you desire for me to be. And all of this comes down to choice, to us focusing our hearts and our life on who God is and what he has done. Catherine Marshall tells this story my friend Marge had an experience aboard a plane bound for Cleveland. Waiting for takeoff as she settled into her seat, Marge noticed a strange phenomenon. On one side of the airplane, a sunset covered the entire sky with glorious color. But out the window next to her, all Marge could see was a sky dark and threatening with no sign of the sunset, none of the color. "'Everything was gray on that side. "'As the plane's engines began to roar, "'a gentle voice spoke within her. "'You have noticed the windows,' "'he murmured beneath the roar and the thrust of the takeoff. "'Your life, too, will contain some happy and beautiful moments and times, "'but also some deep, dark shadows.'" Here's a lesson I want to teach you to save you much heartache and allow you to abide in me with continual peace and joy. You see, it doesn't matter which window you look through, this plane is still going to Cleveland. So it is in your life. You have a choice. You can dwell on the gloomy, dark picture, or you can focus on the bright and good things, on who I am, And leave the dark, ominous situations to me. Place them in my hands because I alone can handle them to begin with. And the final destination is not influenced by what you see or what you feel along the way. Learn this. Act on it. And you will be released, able to experience a peace that passes understanding. Joy comes from knowing that God is with us. And that He is working on us. That He is working for us in every circumstance. But it's up to us to choose joy. To choose to praise. To choose to allow Him to do His work of completion. And to choose to actively engage our lives in the advancement of the gospel. Sometimes... The idea of sharing our faith can be intimidating. And let me tell you how to keep it from being intimidating. Learn more about Jesus. Draw closer to him. Because the more you know him as an intimate friend and as a sovereign God who is in absolute control, it will take away the fear of sharing your faith and the desire of your heart will be That you want others to experience the same joy that surpasses the circumstances you experience and fills your heart with life and peace. You want them to know Jesus Christ. We're going to conclude in just a moment with with one one of my wife and I's favorite songs. It's called Commission My Soul. It's a reminder that God has invited us into partnership in the work of Jesus Christ and what he came to do He came to bring great news to those who were lost, those who were hopeless, those who were in desperate need of joy. And He chose you. And here's why. There are people that you are going to touch, that you are going to influence, that God is going to use you to draw them to the truth of who Jesus Christ is that no one else is going to work in the same way that you will but it requires us to choose. Say, Lord, that's what I want to live for. I want to live for more than just the work that I do. I want to live more, for more than just the experience that I, experiences that I have. I want to live on mission for you. So would you commission my soul with a desire and a passion for you and a passion to see others come to know Christ and to partner with one another and let that become the driving heartbeat of my life. If you do, you will have unimaginable joy. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Lord, the sacrifice that you went through, Lord Jesus, in order to buy us back, when we really focus on it, it is almost more than what our hearts and minds can comprehend. But you did more than that. You also invited us into your work and you give us your Holy Spirit to dwell in us always, no matter where we are, no matter what we face. Oh Lord, help us to rejoice, to choose joy, to choose to live our life for something far greater than ourselves. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord, let us live fully engaged in your work, in your mission, in reaching other people that they may discover your joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.